Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. One of the ideas that I was presented with during the pandemic was that of surge capacity. This is the idea that we all have this reserve of emotional energy that we can call on when we're in a crisis situation. And this was an important idea for people to grasp as the pandemic wore on because people were finding themselves depleted. Despite having up to that point been able to handle everything, eventually they came to a wall where they didn't have any more to give. This is an important concept, but not specifically what I want to talk about today. Because what I want to talk about is what I gleaned from this idea. That because we have surge capacity, we also just have a normal capacity. This seems like a fairly obvious point, but also one that I think a lot of us with ADHD often overlook. Despite everything I know about planning, it's still far too easy for me to try and squeeze just one more thing into my day, over and over again. And this isn't just in terms of how much time I have or how much energy I have, but just in how much I can reasonably take on. In today's episode, we're going to be exploring this idea of capacity and how it can impact our ability to get anything done. We'll also be looking at what we can do on these low-capacity days and how we can actually use them to help ourselves recover. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash low capacity. All right, keep on listening to find out just how much energy we have in the tank. One of the ideas I've been playing with a lot recently is that I don't always need to push myself when I have the energy to do so. For many of us with ADHD, we find that we have days when we're off and not getting much done, and then we have those days where our brain is clicking and it feels like we can do anything. It's on days like those that I tend to really push, because it feels like if I give up that momentum, I'm wasting it, because I don't know when I'm going to have a day like that again. And I certainly know tomorrow isn't going to be like that, because I tend to crash after having those super productive days. And that's the idea I've been playing with that that crash isn't inevitable. And when I lay it out like this, it feels fairly clear that when I crash, it's really because I was pushing too hard the day before. There is a concept in sports training called overtraining. When we watch sports movies, we see the protagonist training night and day. They just never give up. They push through any adversity. That they are always pushing harder and harder. But in reality, that isn't a good method of training. In reality, that leads to overtraining, which is a syndrome that occurs when you don't give yourself the adequate amount of time to recover. It can create fatigue, lower performance levels, and increase your chance for injury. In short, it hurts your progress. So there are two stages of overtraining. The first is overreaching. This is where you're experiencing muscle soreness, and this is beyond what you typically expect between your workouts. It happens when you've been training too hard for too many days in a row and can lead you to just feeling run down. Then overtraining happens when you're experiencing the effects of overreaching, but you just keep pushing. And the importance of the difference is that with overreaching, you can come back from it fairly easily with just a little rest and recovery. However, with overtraining, you can hit a point where it will take you weeks or months of time off to properly recover. To me, this sounds like a physical version of burnout. 
And this is an idea that I've been playing with in conjunction with capacity, because I feel like this all plays out the same whether we're pushing ourselves physically or we're pushing ourselves mentally. While there is talk of the mind-body connection, that overcomplicates the matter because it's just one system. With this in mind, we have to think how hard we're pushing ourselves day to day. With ADHD, we often have to work harder to achieve the same results as neurotypicals. But then we don't turn around and then give ourselves a proportional amount of rest to how much harder we worked. In fact, because it was harder for us, we often choose to go to the path of believing that we deserve less rest. Because I had to psych myself up and I procrastinated on the task, I don't deserve to get as much credit. I mean, I wasn't doing any work when I was procrastinating. That's the same as resting, right? Or at least, it feels like those around us are going to judge it to be that way. While we are procrastinating, we are not getting genuine rest. I know it can seem like it. I mean, we're often not doing anything when we're procrastinating. Except most of the time, when I'm actually procrastinating, I'm just doing anything but the task I'm supposed to be doing. Even if I'm just scrolling on my phone, I'm not creating real downtime for myself. More often than not, I find the procrastination more stressful than actually doing the task. It's just that sometimes I can't get myself to do the thing I'm supposed to be doing. That's executive dysfunction. And I want to be clear here that rest is important, but also it's important that we actually internalize this point. And I understand this is not easy with ADHD. We want to be doing things. Rest is about giving in to that rest. It's about being okay with letting ourselves recover. So let's try and let go of this idea that we can't take breaks because we've been procrastinating. Unfortunately, that procrastination didn't count for that downtime either. And regardless of how productive we've been through the rest of the day, be it a lot or a little, we're still going to need real downtime. And we need to focus on this downtime because it's exactly what's leading to our low capacity. We're overtraining our brains because we're not giving ourselves even close to enough time for recovery. Part of what's been going on for everyone is what I talked about during the intro. We're all experiencing pandemic fatigue and our surge capacity is wearing thin. As my friend from the ADHD Essentials podcast, Brendan Mahan, would say, we're all going through a global trauma event right now. And that fatigue we're feeling from it isn't something that we can just turn off because it's inconvenient. And here's where I want to dive a little into how capacity differs from energy, because often it can feel like we're talking about the same thing. This is a deep-seated mental fatigue that feels like it's constantly draining me, and it's lowering the bar of how high my energy can ever go. Because the reason I think it's important to differentiate low energy from low capacity is that low capacity is more like my ceiling. Low energy is where I might be at some point during the day, but with low capacity, it's about how much I can even take on for the entire day. Even on days where I'm feeling more energetic, I still find myself able to only accomplish so much, especially in regards to borrowing from tomorrow's capacity. I've been kind of thinking of it like an energy tank from a video game. There's only so much energy I can fill into those tanks, and I drain the tank over the course of the day, and then I refill it doing various activities. But let's also imagine that it's midway through the game, and to give some added challenge, the developer hit me with a magic spell that limits how much I can fill those tanks up or maybe how much energy gets stored into those tanks when I do some recharging. But really perhaps what's going on is I used to have a reserve tank, 
just an extra stash of energy that I could tap into whenever I was getting low. It's not normally what I ran on, but it was there and it helped out when I needed it. This is perhaps a good way to think about our surge capacity. When the pandemic started, we could tap in and use that extra capacity. But now that things have stretched on longer and longer, when I try and tap into my reserve tank, I keep finding that it's empty. That despite taking time off and trying to recharge, I haven't been able to refill that tank. At least as much as I'd like to. What's really happening is that I'm draining my reserves far more than I believe I am. Because while I am doing many of the things to help restore myself, the truth is that again, we're going through a global trauma event. There are constantly things draining my tank, and there are absolutely things that are going to accelerate that drain. While it's okay to take a break, check social media, and scroll for a bit, we still want to try and avoid just sitting there doom scrolling and reading all the bad news. That's absolutely going to take a toll on us. We also need to realize that our mental fatigue is not just mental. It turns out that it's also physical, emotional, and psychological. All our various energies are connected, and when we're low on one, it affects us everywhere else. When I'm feeling that mental fatigue, it isn't just hard for me to do mental tasks like writing. It's hard for me to make any decisions. It's hard for me to get off the couch. It's hard for me to process my emotions. And it's hard for me to even care about my goals. To make it worse, it feels like this feeling is never going to change. It feels like this is the new me forever. Of course, that isn't true. I can say that pretty easily right now because I'm not feeling that way. But yesterday? I couldn't imagine feeling like I do today. This is part of the hot-cold empathy gap, and for more on that, go check out episode 83, Why We Make Decisions We Don't Understand. But the premise is that the hot-cold empathy gap is when we fail to predict how our emotions are going to affect our decision-making when we're in a different emotional state. This is important for our low-capacity days, because when we're at low capacity, it feels like we're just in our new normal. We're not tired, we're depleted, and it's never going to be any different. Fortunately, this is not true. Our energy levels are going to fluctuate, and even on those bad days, we're still going to be able to do things to help make us feel better. Dealing with our low-capacity days starts off with accepting the fact that we're going to have low-capacity days. Seems obvious, but for a long time my go-to was denying how I was feeling and trying to just push through. This led to a lot of guilt, as most of the time that didn't work that well, and I'd constantly find myself procrastinating throughout the day, trying to get work done, but unable to actually focus on anything. As we established earlier, all that procrastination isn't helping refuel me either. So instead, what I often try to do now, and I say try because this is still hard to always get myself to do, is to focus on doing things that are going to help me get ready for the next day. We have to accept reality. However, how we frame our mentality around that can help us cope as well. We don't have to write off the entire day because we're at low capacity, but it might mean whittling down our tasks for the day to just the most important things that we need to get done. This also means considering what we're going to be capable of that day. This is about meeting ourselves where we're at, then doing our best with what we can. We can embrace the idea of both and thinking. With ADHD, we can often find ourselves slipping into a binary thinking where things either are or they are not. But that doesn't have to be the case. We can say things like, I'm having a low-capacity day, and I'm going to do the dishes. Or perhaps, I am on top of things, and I am also the new hot mess, a spicy disaster. 
The point being that we don't have to look at our low-capacity days as a complete waste, and we really shouldn't view them as a waste at all. Often the low capacity comes from us pushing too hard for too long. So these are just days to help us get back on track to where we should be. We should use that both end thinking and say, I'm having a low capacity day and I deserve a break. And so we have this idea that we don't always have to push harder. We can also start doing the things that are going to make us feel better tomorrow. One of the most overlooked ways of recharging is doing creative things. Now, I want to be clear here. I'm not talking about creative work. What I'm talking about is just fun, creative stuff that we're doing for the enjoyment of doing it. Most of the writing I do has a creative element to it, but I'm doing it for work, and that doesn't create the same kind of recharging energy. What we're looking for here is something that'll stretch our brains, but won't stress us out. Think things like drawing, coloring, playing with Legos, writing a poem, making music, or maybe even doing a puzzle. You're doing that wordle, right? But of course, I also like to try and get away from screens for this kind of creativity. Not because screens are bad per se, but more to that when I'm on that screen, I'm more likely to be drawn into some other app instead of what I intended to do. And these are just some examples of a few ideas. If none of them sound good to you, don't do them. I'm sure you can think of something that's a better fit for you. The only criteria really are is it should be something that gets you to be creative, or at least works your brain, and that it isn't work-related. I think this is also a great place for us to use some accountability. I know, accountability for something fun? Oh, absolutely. We've already established that we're not doing enough of these things, so we need some sort of reinforcement system. Maybe you're just texting your bestie a doodle that you did on a post-it note every morning. We don't have to have a big production for accountability, but I do think having accountability for self-care tasks can be even more important than accountability for work because I'm way more likely to try and put off self-care. And diving a little more into self-care, let's think about some ways that we can work on recharging ourselves. Social time is vital for our mental health, and a lot of us haven't been getting nearly enough of it recently. Think of doing something like going for a walk with a friend outside. Tons of benefits there. Light exercise, being outside, getting some sunlight, hopefully, and of course, the social aspect. All things that are hopefully not too hard to handle when you're feeling at low capacity. And just a quick rundown of a few more ideas here. Meditation, stretching, taking a shower, reading, five minutes of cleaning, planning, eating a healthy meal, watching an inspiring video, listening to a podcast, getting a massage, doing some journaling, exercise getting out into nature, taking a break from your screens, having a warm drink or a cold one, just anything that's self-care for you. There are a lot of things that we can do, and the point here is try and do something that lets us focus on ourselves for a bit instead of everything that we might have to do. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. 1. We can hit low capacity when we've been pushing too hard for too long. Our capacity differs from our energy levels in that we can think of it as our total amount of energy that we have for the day. Having a low capacity means that we're not recovering and that when we do recover, we're only coming back to a low base rate of energy. 2. When we're at low capacity, we need to slow down and focus on the things that we can do. This means prioritizing and thinking about ways that we can apply both and thinking 
where we accept reality and how we can function within it. Three, a great way to build back up our capacity is to create some accountability around our self-care tasks so that we actually follow through with those intentions. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can leave me a message over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. You can also reach me on Twitter at hackingyouradhd. And I've also just launched a TikTok channel that you can find by searching for Hacking Your ADHD. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can find those on the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way is to share episodes with someone you think would get something out of it. Just click the share button on your podcast player and send your bestie the link with something like, hey, I love this episode of Hacking Your ADHD. I'd bet you'd get a lot out of it too. Or you can support the show through my Patreon at hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. Sign up for the 2 5 10 25 or even $50 a month level and get some great perks like monthly bonus content or early access to upcoming episodes. That's hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. And be sure to check out all the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out Eric Tiver's show, ADHD Rewired. For those of you with kids, be sure to check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And even if you don't have kids, his show is still a great resource for ADHD management. If you're interested in exploring issues of race and diversity in ADHD, be sure to check out ADHD Diversified with MJ. For those of you late-diagnosed women, moms, and professionals, you can also check out the ADHD-friendly lifestyle with Moira Maven. I also do a live Q&A with all the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network on the second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to sign up, just go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. Why did the umbrella take a day off? Because it was feeling under the weather. Under the weather.